Welcome to the Time Machine. Experience the cancer journey through the eyes of the traveler. Welcome back to the Time Machine. It was two years ago this month that my family and I began our cancer journey with my cancer diagnosis. But for my wife, it was not the first time that she'd been on this journey. 18 years previous, her niece, Brittany, was diagnosed at the age of two with leukemia. And today, I am honored to have my brother-in-law, Kyle Riley, to share the story of Brittany with us. Welcome to the Time Machine, Mr. Kyle Riley. It's Thank a, you. It's a pleasure to have you. And uh, it's um, a unique scenario to have family and to be able to talk about your cancer journey as a family, especially since when I was, I'm trying to think how long ago I should know these things. How old is Brittany? Brittany is 20. She'll be okay. 21 this August. Because I'm trying to think when, when I first met her, it was, I should ask my wife. Well, you might was, remember. Was she was, been five? Boy, that's a good question. I'm not sure. But it was it was not too too far after. I had it in my head. No, I guess it would have been after. Yeah, wouldn't have been too too long after she had finished up treatment. Then I I would guess it was right. I think it was right after treatment. So um, my introduction to your family was at the end of of the treatment journey. So why don't you take us back to um, the beginning? You know, diagnosis. Sure. You know, kind of how that transpired, maybe what was going on with her that you, you know, that started this whole journey off. Okay. Well, our uh, second daughter, Brittany, was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, diagnosis was January 24th, 2002. And uh, she went, well, I'll, I'll back up as to how we came to find out about the diagnosis. Um, my wife, as a minister at the time in the Assemblies of God um, at Park Hill Assembly of God, uh, every year the district council has a retreat for pastors at the end of January. And this one happened to be this year up in Lewistown. And with having four little ones at the time, so Taryn was born September of 01, all of uh, six days before 9-11. But um, we had decided that we didn't want to take all four kids because Emily at the time would have been not quite, let's see, oh two. She would have been not quite six. And then Alex is 23 months behind her. Brittany and Alex was 18 months between them and then 25 months between Brittany and Taryn. So we had farmed out Emily and Alex for the retreat <laughs> and took Brittany and Taryn up with us. And so Brittany was not quite two and a half. Taryn was just four months old, four and a half. And during the retreat, um, Brittany hadn't been eating much. She was running a fever and uh, kind of act like she had a sore throat. So we just kind of assumed that 
because the older two had had some issues with ear infections and so forth, that that's probably what was going on. So the retreat ended up getting done uh, on a Wednesday morning. We drove back from Lewistown. It was actually not that great of roads. There was a storm that had moved through, but we made it back here. And at that time, I had just started work for uh, Westwood College of Technology in September of 01. And so that had me traveling around the eastern two-thirds of Montana and northern Wyoming. So I was kind of getting back into, the, okay, i got to get back to work now. I've taken the last 40 days off. And Jill and Brittany um, and Taryn were at home, and the two older ones came back. They must have been with Mom and Dad, I think. But anyway, um, Brittany had been running a fever on and off over this retreat, and the fever spiked up. It was well over 103 on Thursday morning. So Jill thought, okay, we'll take her over to the children's clinic, have the doctors check her out. And Dr. Stevens was our pediatrician, but he wasn't in that day. It was Dr. Langer that was filling in. And so she saw Britt, and I was out doing my work, so I wasn't privy to what was going on right there. But Jill had made the comment to me that um, Dr. Langer, in taking a look at Brittany, had said, oh, she looks a little pale. And it made Jill laugh because with my wife being Korean and our kids are at least half, um, Brittany was the whitest of the kids and so we kind of chuckled and always called her our white child but she said no no she looks pale and so she said i'd like to take some blood tests I said, okay so she did that and they went home and that afternoon and evening i had a couple of interviews out in uh, the huntley project area for work so i was meeting with a couple of prospective college students and on my way back in uh, we had talked about my stopping off at walmart to get a couple of items before i went home so I'm driving, headed uh, into town from the Huntley area, and got a call from Jill, and she had said, hey, um, Children's Clinic called, and, and the doctor said that we need to take Brittany up to the hospital, St. V's, right away, and, like, not delay, but they didn't give her a lot, whole lot more specifics. And so she said, okay, and, and Mom's coming over. She's going to stay with the other three kids, and I'm going to take them up, and why don't you meet us up there? I said, okay. Um... So I did, and this ended up being, man, probably about 9, 30, 10 o'clock by the time we got up there that night. And it was about 10.30, Dr. Kelker walked in, who we had never met him before prior, um, but he introduced himself, and he said, well, I've taken a look at the slides, and uh, looks like she has leukemia. Uh, we're going to send you down to... Salt Lake or Denver tomorrow, and uh, they can confirm the diagnosis and get treatment started. So we went from an ear infection to cancer in the matter of about a minute. <laughs> wow. How does that, what does that do to daddy's heart in a moment like that? How do you process that? What did you guys go through in the initial? You know, it, it was, it, it definitely took... A minute to kind of think through that you know what what did we just hear um and and the fact of kelker he he was never known for bedside manner that we found that out and we grew to love him afterwards um but just his matter of fact statement about it and you know this wasn't a hey we're gonna take some more tests over the next week or so just to confirm it's a you're going to a children's hospital in the morning and they, they said it, she was at the point where we couldn't even drive down. And, you know, we're sitting here thinking, well, we've got three other kids. How, how do we make this work? Um, so they said they were going to life light her down in the morning. And, 
And so we took a moment to kind of take in the information and we started making phone calls and trying to make some preparations for, for the morning. Um, and fortunately we had some you know family and friends that were ready and available um, that were willing to help out. And I know Gail and Joel Bergstead are good friends of ours. And at the time they didn't have any kids yet. Um, they've actually adopted four, but they would always be over at the house and kind of helping out with the kids. And so I know Gail came over late that night um, to help and mom helped pack. And uh, Pastor Fox, Bob Fox, who was the senior pastor at Park Hill at the time, he had come up to the hospital to visit. Um, we heard from Keith Elder, who was the district youth director. And it was just really interesting to hear from all these people as nudes spread pretty quickly as far as what was going on. But I mentioned Keith because he helped... Um, with some frequent flyer miles so that mom, my mom and Jill could fly down. Um, Jill wanted to go down with Brittany on the life flight, but because we had a four and a half month old, they wouldn't let her travel with Taryn. So I got to uh, fly down with Brittany the next day and uh, Jill and mom came down and Taryn, I don't remember, it must've been later on that day so how was that flight what were your thoughts when you were well being a pilot and of course at this time i was just you know i had my private pilot certificate for six years but always fascinating planes i had actually worked at uh, the airport when we first moved back to billings had fueled this plane that we were now riding on and in the back of my head it's the most expensive airplane ride i've ever had where i never got to touch the controls so (laughs) um the the staff was great and it was a smooth flight. Um, she actually did pretty well on it. So I don't remember much about the flight other than it was a nice day here and it was a nice day in Denver. So it was a... Do you have memories from that, you know, of, of kind of the process of what you were going through? Like emotionally, you know, when I when I asked about the flight, you know, I guess in my mind I thought maybe there would be... Or, or, or the, do you have any recollection of how you were processing it and... You know, on the flight, not as much. I think my head was more in the details of what does this mean for work and what do we, you know, how do yeah. we do the handle the family and what's this going to mean for, I, I don't know, I guess as a guy, maybe you always start to go to, okay, what do I, the details, what do I need to look at it, you know, what, what needs to be handled, what's going to be, yeah. you know, what needs to be fixed. Obviously, first thing is getting treatment for her and, well, finding out at that time if it is indeed cancer, but you know the way Kelker had announced it, it was he seemed pretty matter of fact about it, and so um, I don't recall Jill and I talking much about it that first night, um, and we didn't have much time because we were packing stuff up. I had to get some sleep because we, they flew us out basically eight o'clock the next morning, so. Um, I don't think the whole processing of it really started to happen until we were down at the children's hospital, met with the staff down there, um, you know, like the hours after she got admitted and after they had done blood work, confirmed what Dr. Kelker had announced. So um, then it started to really kind of sink in as like cancer, you know, that's wow, and what does this mean? And, you know, they they were going through the statistics and 
hey, if, if there's any cancer you're going to get, you know, for her being female and this young and ALL, it's the best um, age for her to acquire this. And it's the best form of cancer as far as with the treatments and you know, as far as survivability rates. So you hear that and you go, well, okay, that's good. But is cancer ever <laughs> a good thing? And, um, so it, it, yeah, it kind of took a couple days for it to start to settle in. And for me, I heard 90 plus percent survival rate. So I'm like, okay, great. You know, 90%, that's an A. Hey, let's go for it. You know, that's, this is all good. And, um, I know Jill heard, you know, cancer and her chance of not surviving. And so there was that disconnect between us as far as how I thought things would go and how she thought things would go. And as we went through the process, it turns out um, they had put her on a study through uh, Denver Children's Hospital. And uh, we were down there 10 days originally. Um, they went through and put in a port and started doing chemo right away. And, and the study that she was on, um, we went home after that 10 day period. We were here for a month. We went back a month later. Um, they kind of had a stage check for lack of a better term. And then they had us come back down in May, three months in, but they, they originally wanted us to be traveling with her and having treatment down there so that she could, they could make sure that the protocols were all matching up with what the study called for. Well, of course, with us and four small kids, it's like, it really doesn't work to be traveling 550 miles one way for multiple treatments. So um, we did convince them that with modern technology of faxes and emails that they should be able to have the clinic up here keep you know, the children's clinic down there abreast of how things were going. So um, kind of gets away from the process question, though, doesn't it? So we, uh, I guess I brought that up because with Jill and I later finding out that we had different perspectives on, you know, what this might be, Brittany, the plan that she was on, her cancer didn't go into, uh, remission as quickly as they wanted on the initial protocol. So they ended up augmenting it and it ended up being 27 months of treatment. And over that time, she was in the hospital uh, 20 plus times because she went neutropenic and you know, body, obviously no white blood cells can't fight off any infections or anything. So she'd have to be in the hospital for at least a, a couple days until they were able to get her white cells count back up. And there was a point in time during one of those many hospital visits where I had looked at Jill and said, I'm not sure she's going to make it. And, and Jill was a little, dumbfounded that she said, well, what do you mean? I mean, she's been thinking that all along. And for me, I guess I had just heard, you know, 90% plus good hope. All right. This is going well until things weren't going as, as well as they, we thought they were. So how did, what's that like as a dad, especially with, you know, four littles and then her being so, so little, like, yeah. How do you process that? Like, where, where do you go in the dark times? And um, well, I I can recall people asking, you know, how are you doing and how are you getting through this? And there's a there's a part of it where it's like, okay, well, you just, you got to continue the 
day to day you can't um, get inundated to the point where you freeze up and you know you can't get lost in the mire of things but I, I do think for both of us that um, as far as my wife and I that our faith definitely had a huge impact on being able to turn to God and say God I don't get this I don't understand I you know why a little girl that's not quite two and a half why would she have to battle cancer and you know not that you know, the question you can ask of anyone but especially you know a little one and so um in processing those questions and then still trying to you know take care of the three other kids and um it was we had good support from family and friends and um you know a church that supported us greatly and then other groups that came about and, and supported us and it just um, it definitely helped during those times where you know yeah i got to that point where i thought is she going to make it or not and nowhere else to turn but god and say okay god i i have to trust that you know your will is going to be done here's my will i want my little girl to be healed and you know but if that's not the case i've got to trust that your will is going to be done and then in the end you're going to be glorified but you know whatever matter that is um but faith was definitely a big big factor along with the support from family and friends how did how do you deal with as a husband and wife i know these kind of things with kids can be very trying of course and it can be such a strain on on the the marriage there's so many go, so many things going on especially with a full house and with work and then how did you guys manage that together and yeah um you know jill was working part-time at park hill and in the process of this um i was working for for westwood college of technology at the start of her diagnosis we got to july of 02 so just past the four month mark of her treatment and westwood told me that uh, they were closing my territory um so that was a whoa wait a minute I, you know here's not only my income but our health insurance and um that gave me pause and the only the first thing that came to mind was I, I left computers unlimited on good terms and so i call up saying hey do you still need somebody to support the pharmacy package that i had worked on and they said yes and so you know god opened that door to basically seamlessly walk right back to computers unlimited and the co-workers there i mean they ended up they they held a garage sale for us um i don't remember if it was you know it must have been 03 and helped raise money you know to help with the medical bills and so forth but just in those times with work um, both for jill and for me um I don't know. I, I was just thinking back through it because I mentioned Jill was working for Park Hill 
we get to July of 03 and the opportunity comes along for her to co-pastor with the pastor out at the Assemblies Church in Laurel. And we thought, well, yeah, I mean, she has been wanting to have an opportunity like that. Um, at the time, we thought, you know, treatments were going well enough to the point and we would still live in Billings. Laurel's only, you know, 16 miles away and we can make this work, you know. And so we we made that transition uh, 13, 14, I guess 15 months in. And, oh, ooh, I got to think about this now. No, we were there 13 months. That's right. That was July of 02. So we were both making job transitions July and August of 02 with her being in her first four or five months of treatment. And then it got to the point in August of 03, Jill stepped away from her position because um, just with everything going on and Brittany continuing to go to the hospital, it was a, a situation where even though we thought, okay, how, what are we going to do for income? She needed to be at home um, for all the kids and especially for Britt. So, so she had to step away from her position, which I have always been hopefully her number one supporter in in her vocation and for her to step away to do that was hard for her but it was the thing that she knew she needed to do at the time and that we needed to do and <laughs> i just got to think about this too so 0203 not only did we both make job transitions back to computers unlimited for her to laurel but um that year you know my Side hustle has been radio play-by-play -play over the years, and the Billings Bulls hockey, minor league hockey team, had a radio deal with the FM station, which was at the time 95 FM, the Hawk. And the general manager of the Clear Channel stations, which oversaw the Hawk and the other four stations, asked me if I'd be interested in doing the hockey play-by-play. And I said, well, sure, why not? I had never followed hockey, so I had to learn the game pretty quick. <laughs> but it was it was really good. And um, so I did that. And I also had worked out for those five stations. Um, they were looking for somebody to record sports and news in the mornings. And so I would do that. So I guess I kept myself busy enough that maybe I wasn't always processing because I would have times where I'd be at the radio stations at 5.36 in the morning, go from there, which those stations were at the 23rd floor of the, well, was the Sheridan at the time, it's on the Doubletree. Go from there, block and a half down Montana Avenue to my day job. And then if it was a game day, I'd leave there and probably go home for a little bit grab my gear and go to the Metro and get set up and, and do the hockey game and get done at 10, 10, 30 at night, go get a, you know, five hours of sleep or so and get up and do it again. So I think keeping busy with everything probably, I, I, I won't say it helped me cope with it, but it, it probably uh, helped me keep my focus on okay. doing one day at a time. Yeah. Um, but through, throughout that whole period of 27 months, it was definitely Jill and I, you know, with give and take on work and 
what needed to happen. Um, you know, as Brittany was finishing up uh, her treatment, um, Jill had some opportunities to start doing some consulting for churches and nonprofit organizations. And so that door opened up and, it, you know, it allowed us still to have, you know, we'd always said we wanted somebody at home. And that was a great thing about Park Hill even before all this is that she could be home during the day with the kids and then me after work, I could take over and she'd work on things at night or on the weekends. So, um, in a lot of ways, it seems like a blur, but... Well, I, my goodness, to have four kids have a new baby, and then the cancer journey dropped right in the middle of it, transitioning out of both of you having transitioned in jobs. It's um, And then to have such a heavy schedule, and I can't even imagine for Jill the schedule with the kids. I mean, juggling so much. Just having those things without the without the cancer yeah. is, is a ton. And then you add you know, that life-altering, you know... <laughs> life-altering illness, yeah. Illness. How did you, you know, you know what, I guess what what was the high, or like, what was the lowest point and then maybe some of the bright spots within it too? We'll start with the lowest points. For you personally, you mentioned the moment where you said, you know, she may not make it. Yeah. You know, um, maybe describe a little bit of, of, of the lowest and then... And then we would go into some of the high points. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not a journaler, which I wish I would have been at that point where I could go back and say it was on this date where it, it happened. Um, actually, I was looking through, prior to us coming down to your office, I was, we had, did have a website where we had kept information, kind of kept progress up. And I had reviewed that here a number of years ago just to kind of go back and remember things. Um, but I haven't looked at it in a while. And I was kind of bummed about this because when you asked me about it, I was like, oh man, that would be good to kind of get some, a jog of the memory of highs and lows. Yeah. But yeah, I, I know that very first time where I thought, okay, she might not make it. And then for her to continue to go neutropedic and go back into the hospital and just, you know, you, you ask, you know, why you know what i don't understand um but again trusting in god and trusting that his will is going to be worked out in the process was enough to to keep going and you know i i look at some of the brighter spots in things um Jill being a minister and um, fairly early on, there was a social worker with Billings Clinic in the pediatric department. And she, Sarah had only been there. I don't know if she had been there more than a year. Maybe she had been there a couple of years. I'm trying to think now. Um, when Brittany was diagnosed. But Sarah and Jill had a conversation and she kind of found out what, what Jill did. And Sarah just knew... Jill had a, a great way of interacting with people and with families. And so she started asking Jill if she'd be willing to be kind of the first contact for a new family when there was a new diagnosis, cancer diagnosis. Um, in, in Montana at the time, Dr. Kelker at Billings Clinic was the only pediatric oncologist in the state. 
So you have families from the entire state of Montana and northern Wyoming that would come for treatments for their children here because the other options are to go to Salt Lake, Denver, Minneapolis, Seattle. Um, I suppose those that are in northwest Montana, you know, they might, Spokane might be an option, but you're talking about a wide radius. So we would constantly be meeting with um, families, and Jill especially, she would sit down with parents right after. And, you know, Sarah had done a great job, and she'd given it to us. There was a, a whole folder of contact information, you know, like, finding out who to talk to with Ronald McDonald House for, you know, when you have to stay down in Denver for multiple days and um, charitable organizations and all that. But you need somebody who has gone through it or is going through it and can answer some of the immediate questions. And um, God really opened up the the door for Jill to be able to to do that for a number of families. And, And through that, I mean, you end up establishing some, you know, friendships um, which are really neat and, and, you know, families meet one of the other really bright spots. I think, um, I'm going to just really be frustrated with myself. Tim Crowley. Is that the right name? Kids and Cowboys. I have to look that up. I'm pretty sure. I, that's really sad that I'm forgetting that at the moment, but a gentleman with a huge heart, he has three daughters. One of them went through cancer a number of years ago as a kid. And Tim saw an opportunity to, because he saw the geographical area of pediatric cancer patients that they have to come in. And every year he would have kids and cowboys, uh, in October, the weekend of the Nile rodeo where, Oh, there were so many years um, that we were at it first for Brittany as a patient, but then afterwards where again, you know, he had asked for families that have come through the other side of treatment to have their families come and be with these families and patients that are going through the treatment. So it ended up being, it would be on the Saturday of the Nile, um, down there at the fairgrounds, you know, where there's usually 4-H exhibits. He had the whole space where he had, uh, it was usually Tiny's Tavern that would cater the meal. And he had numerous organizations and companies in the area that would donate gifts and gift cards and stuff. And not only would all the cancer patient kids get a gift, but the siblings of the cancer mm-hmm. patients would also get a gift. And, you know, they would draw. Sometimes it would be, you know, who would get the bigger one. But it was just awesome how he had a heart after knowing what his family had gone through and what his um, daughter had gone through to say, Hey, I want to, I want to help these kids have at least an afternoon and an evening where they can kind of forget about everything else. So um, there'd be a meal and these gifts and like he'd usually have, there was a horse riding club that they'd bring their horses and the kids could get on and do laps around where the, where the kitty amusement rides are at during the fairs where they would do that. And then after the meal, we all got tickets to go to the Nile and sit down in the Metro. And, uh, you know, there'd usually be the uh, a special announcement greeting all the kids and cowboys, kids and stuff. And Brittany got to be one of the girls to get up and uh, kind of represent the kids one year. And, and so it was that was good to have that opportunity to 
hang out with other families and and like i said after Brittany went through treatment came out the other side we got to spend a couple of years where we were the ones to say hey there is light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. you're gonna get past this um so things like that i, I think were really bright spots and, and Brittany, kids are so amazing and especially that young she was seemed so resilient and she got to the point where we'd go in for the visits where she'd have chemo and they'd be uh they'd administer the chemo and then they'd get out the heparin and the saline flushes and uh, she'd ask now is that the heparin or the saline because <laughs> the saline goes last you know stuff like that where it's just like okay she's she and granted she was you know three four she didn't process the whole of what actually was happening but yeah. for her it's like oh i know how this goes and obviously gave her a little bit of control to say hey you know but she was great i mean the nurses would love on her when we were up at st v's on the peds floor and she was in you know they'd take her and you know a lot of times she'd have an iv pole they'd take her and the iv pole and either give her a ride on the pole or they'd put her in a wagon and take her down to the nurse's station and they'd have tea parties and you know so um she was always a bright spot there and um yeah. cassie, cassie had mentioned being with her once when she was having some difficulties with some treatment what what was as far as her treatment went you know how did she take the um the chemo you know how how often did she like what was her program wow uh my Roughly. wife always likes to say i have uh photographing memory i obviously don't um (laughs) i was trying to remember what the length of her protocol was supposed to be initially i want to say it was supposed to be 18 months it might have been two years no 18 or 21 months is what sticks in my head but because her body didn't respond as quickly as they wanted uh, it got extended out so january 24th 02 was her diagnosis her last treatment was april 30th 2004 um, and, uh, it, it really seemed to be from, I would say the last few months of 2002 until it was probably a, f- really a, a, a 15 or 16 month period there from say probably November, December of 02 to probably the end of 03 or first couple months of 04 where she would really after having the chemo or you know counts would drop out and she'd have to go to the hospital um but how did it affect her like energy levels did she lose um you know originally yeah she lost hair and uh actually i shaved my head at one point because I thought, and it, that was actually funny, I I did, it was during that bowl season, and it was, I think it must have been January of 03. Um, I went to the Metro to do a game, and the guys were like, oh, did you lose a bet? You know, because I, had, I hadn't necessarily been telling everybody about what was going on with her, um, and so then when I did, um, yeah, they felt a little sheepish, but not, I wasn't trying to make them feel bad about it either, but... Um, that didn't last very long for me, however, because my hair grows really quickly and we like flannel sheets in the winter and I found that my head would stick like Velcro <laughs> to the sheets and the, uh, pillows. So I didn't continue with the shave. That was too much maintenance. Um, but she, 
I've seen some pictures from that time. Yeah. You know, initially when there was a lot of steroids involved in addition to the chemo, I mean, she puffed up and, you know, it affected her a little bit. You know, she's a sweet girl, but you'd see a little more of the, you know, anger and just frustration that would come out while she was on steroids and stuff. Um, And then during those, not the maintenance months, but the the months where the chemo was, you know, the, the higher amounts in the regiment. Um, it seemed like that she would have a couple of days thereafter where she'd just kind of bottom out and be kind of lethargic and wouldn't eat much. Um, her go-to meal while she was in the hospital was grilled cheese sandwich, Cheetos, and a Sprite. <laughs> for breakfast, she'd switch it up, but for lunch and dinner, that's what she wanted. And we figured, well, if that's what she was going to eat, that would be all right. So, and she'd always order a Coke for her dad. I was like, okay, thanks. Um, but she, uh, yeah, I guess I was trying to think. There, she, we had a, must have been a birthday party for Emily and Alex. And pictures of her being there. And I can see her in her little long sleeve purple shirt and bald head. And mm-hmm. sitting at the table and just kind of looking sad. Yeah. Um, it's hard to look back on some of those pictures at times. Just to think, like, wow. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's awesome too to look back and say, "Wow!" Like, I mean, we're now sixteen plus years since she finished her treatment. So. Yeah, I would like. I'm, I definitely want to have a few more questions before, and I'd like yeah, to get sorry, to. I've been rambling. No, no, no. But then I'd like to get to where she's at now. But um, how in in those times when did it get any easier? When she was getting treatments, so the only thing I can reference for me is, you know, Tristan was, you know, in the NICU, and, um, you know, when she was, so when my when my girl was born and she was in the NICU, there was I remember those moments of, you know, in in there's we had people around and family around, always, but there's those isolated moments that there's a lot of that where it's just between. You're, you're you and God, and um, you know, kind of reconciling. Okay, if I, I want to take her home, or please let me take her home. Yeah. But you know, if she doesn't, you know, having those conversations of going forward without. Um, but those were pretty short for us because you know she was in for what ten days. They they told us it was going to be much longer, weeks and weeks, and. And she thrived and came out so much quicker. And so, but I do remember those days and, and how difficult they were. And when I hear your story and, and the, the going back over and over and over again, was it kind of a, did you, do you get any, does, does it get any easier or is it kind of a right back to that kind of same place? Um, I think it, got harder as the number of hospital stays started to add up. You know, the first couple of times it's like, oh, okay, we expect it. You know, we know chemo's working. The white blood cell count's going to drop. And yeah, that makes sense. So, but yeah, after you get into the 12th, 15th, 18th time that she's back in the hospital because her body just doesn't seem to be bouncing back from the chemo. And of course you understand what chemo is supposed to do. And it's like, okay, it's supposed to do that, but 
at the same point in time, what toll is it taking on the rest of her body? You know, the healthy stuff, and and, and um, that that's that's probably where I got to that one low point where it's just like I wasn't sure um, whether she would make it through it or not. And was that I, the first time you thought that then? I really contemplated. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it 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 really did take me. And my wife said probably I was hard-headed maybe i don't know um i don't feel like i was ever in denial of what could be but i just felt like she was going to make it through it until i reached that point um i'm gonna have to go back through the logs of the the website because I'm, I'm curious if i actually had mentioned at that point what 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 day it was or what time it was where it's like okay i'm not sure um and you know what we would have somebody that would spend the night with her up in the hospital. And sometimes it was Jill and sometimes it was me. Sometimes it was Nana. Sometimes it was one of the aunties. Um, but I, I know those nights when I was up there with her and alone. And you just take kind of time to sit by her bedside when she's sleeping and pray and ask those questions. And yeah, I... I don't, other than just knowing that God would give us the strength to get through it, no matter the outcome, I don't, I don't know that I have a specific answer as to what yeah. else. Yeah. Well, I know when, for me, there was just that moment of, as you process through all the possibilities of going, I definitely had, for me, I had to come to a point to, to go, okay, if, if, if it is your will and you take her, you know, I'm okay with that. I, I would prefer she stay, but, um, I love you anyways, and I'm going to serve you anyways. Yeah. And, um, there was definitely, um, a release when, when I was able to, to go to give that to say you know your will be done and you know you know what you know what I'm pulling for but um and it it's a very interesting place to be because I haven't felt really that nearly as much on my personal journey because it's different it's yeah. and that's why um talking to you I can't imagine going through this process with a child it's been really pretty easy for me going through you know our cancer journey because it's 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 me and and um and there's a difference you know i earned my diagnosis and you know through a life of you know i'm now reaping what i sowed so there's not even the why me where when there's a child you're there's a lot of those questions so um yeah that i had jd was here and you introduced me to jd and and it was, um, again, that was the first time that I had that conversation. Everyone I'd had a conversation with up until then were people that had sat down and had been going through the journey themselves. So that was the first time I hadn't really, even though I knew I hadn't sure. thought of it until he started describing going through that process. And of course, you know, you know that JD, you know, lost his son to leukemia after, I think it was seven years. I think yeah. it was. And, um, and so it's, uh. The process of of the possibility of loss from a father's eyes that was the first time I had actually sat down and and got to experience that now the 
you know, the joy that we have here today is that, you know, she's still here and that she did make it. And, and um, I think this would be a great time to kind of hear, oh, you know, all of the uh, things that she's done and, and yeah. you know, since then and, and how she's thriving. And, and she's just a beautiful young lady and gifted dancer. And so I guess, Dad, let's have a moment where you get to brag <laughs> on your daughter a little bit of, of where she is and now um yeah so Brittany finished up treatment at the end of april of 04 and we uh had decided to keep her out of school for that first year just you know make sure her immune system was back to where it needed to be and you know that was the other thing too in the midst of all this my wife is a saint i know that but amongst working and having four kids and all this she actually um homeschooled Emily and Alex for a little bit to there towards the end of Brittany's treatment and for that f- first year afterwards because again we didn't want stuff coming home uh, while she was finishing treatment and then uh, while uh, we wanted to give her time to heal up but um, she ended up going off to Burlington with the other kids and did well you know and and there are things where I mean, they go through it at the beginning and then they kind of go through it as you wrap up to kind of get a reminder of things. But, okay, here's what you could expect or, you know, what's what's going to developmentally be delayed or what's going to be harmed because she went through 27 months of treatment and, you know, from two and a half to, you know, four and a half, five. And um, how is it going to affect her mentally? How is it going to affect her, you know, from a reproductive standpoint, you know, I, it, all those questions that go through. But as we have seen over the last number of years, um, she has just done really well. She ended up being a part of the gifted and talented program, you know, starting out in grade school and, and going on into honors classes in junior and high school. So mentally doesn't seem to be any effects there as far as intellectually. Um, Health-wise, you know, there there are always those first few sicknesses after treatment ends where, you know, the temperature spikes and you go back and think, oh, is this, is it coming back? Or, um, and it seemed like as we got further and further away, you know, she would do a, a yearly check for a number of years and, and things were going well and that kind of faded to the background where you didn't have that fear come up right away um just continuing on with school she ended up deciding that she wanted to do the transition program from high school to college and so she ended up taking classes up at msub you know her sophomore and junior years ended up essentially graduating a year early from high school with 43 47 credits of college um you know and so that allowed her to go on to school earlier than a lot of her peers and um, she's been working and doing school over the last number of years so that she graduated essentially may of 17 um, and um, being a young adult going through growing pains of being out on her own and you know figuring out life and but she's going off to school this fall and actually going to the alma mater of her mom and I and uh, looking to finish out her bachelor's hopefully in a year and a half and actually she's looking at a program that uh, by adding an extra year she'd come out with a master's as well so 
you know, she's got the drive. She's got the mental and intellectual capability. She's sweet. As you mentioned, she danced all throughout, you know, from grade school through high school. She was in the ballet. It seemed like we were at the Nutcracker every Thanksgiving weekend <laughs> for about 14 years. Um, uh, she's, yeah, healthy. We had one, uh, how many years ago was that? might have been six years ago. You know, they uh, did baseline checks when she before she started treatment, and then they would do it at their milestones in the in the protocol, and then then went the end. And one of the things, because she had a, a pick, a peripherally inserted central line, central catheter. I guess that's the other C. Um, it's it's kind of funny that working for Computers Unlimited, I worked on a pharmacy software package. And it was for closed door pharmacies that would do home infusion therapies and stuff. So when I started hearing the, you know, about central lines, and I was like, oh, I know about these things. <laughs> and you know, we would do different types of therapy uh, as a part of the software package. And so it's like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. So it, it was interesting for me to kind of process through all that. But um, because she had a central line, and as long as they did, they would do uh, what EKGs, right? Heart. Trying to remember the acronym now. Um, to check and see if there was any effects on her heart in the long run. Um, heart has looked good. It's been strong. But they found a little uh, flap, a, a blood clot that seems to be attached to a, a flap on one of her um, valves in her heart. Not going anywhere. Hasn't changed. Hasn't moved. So it's probably been there since she had the line and they just didn't see it before. Um, you know, that, that was one of those things that caused concerns because, you know, what if yeah. it gets... Uh, you know, cuts loose and can do anything from stroke to whatever. But that's been really the only scare. Um, you know, she seems to be f- completely healthy from a, a reproductive standpoint. Not that she has any kids or anything, but, you know, yeah. that seems like that, that possibility is there in the future, which is awesome. So it, in so many ways, I mean, you can see God has carried her along and she's been healthy um, and yeah, it's awesome to see that 16 plus years later. It is. It's amazing to to look back at the treatment time and all of all of the uh, challenges that go with that as a as a really young father with all these kids and and um, you know marriage transitions jobs and and then looking back because I again you know when I started dating your um, your little sister, you know, I remember coming over and seeing the the kids and, and you just have a beautiful family, beautiful oh, wife. You guys have done amazing things with all your children. They're all so bright and they're beautiful and they just, they have huge hearts and they're just, I mean, you just, as a dad, you stroked a grand slam four times. So <laughs> that's, that's yeah. a, a, it's a beautiful thing to, to see. And, and so, um, you know, I got the tail end of, of it and and didn't really ever get a chance it's the first time we've ever actually talked about it so you know i've heard stories you know some experiences cassidy you know would relate but i never really had kind of heard the process from you and so i appreciate that and before we i guess um wrap up you know one thing i noticed and you mentioned earlier as people you know were able to ask jill questions and and that's something we get where people will call and and I love when they do because we felt like 
the one thing about cancer is they don't give you a handbook. No, no. And you just kind of jump right in and you're kind of try to, you know, swim and figure out things. And so, you know, when that happens, I love it. I, I, I kind of walk through a few things and then I pass them to Cassidy because she's the, <laughs> she has the details. She, she has all the details, but there's, you know, there's so much that, um, that, um, you know, every cancer is different. Every, every diagnosis is different, but there's so much that you can, you can, um, you can, some, there's so many things that do transfer over. And so, you know, I guess what's very different in my situation yours is, is having a, you know, a child, you know, diagnosed, you, what, um, you know, what are a couple of things maybe that, you know, looking back, you would have liked to have known or would have been helpful to know, you know, for, for a, a parent, you know, with a, with a child being diagnosed? Um, there's no silly questions and there's no, you know, you have so many questions that go through your mind initially and it's good to ask. And, um, I think in the, you know, in the Billings community, from a pediatric oncology standpoint, there, there is a great community, not only in the medical community, but in the families and supports um, that is in the area because of the people have gone through it. So there are a lot of places where you can turn to people and ask questions and they're happy to help out and they want to help out. Um, there was a group out of Bozeman that we did a couple of retreats up there and they, again, it was for cancer patients, kids, cancer patients and their families. And there are so many resources out there. And I mean, I didn't mention them earlier, but the road dogs are awesome. Local motorcycle group that they do poker runs to raise money. And, you know, they happened to choose Brittany one year and they, uh, came over with, um, a really nice check and gifts for the kids. It was around Christmas time. And they also then said, you know what? Your extra bills, here's our coordinator. Give her a copy of your bills because we want to take care of them. You know, and we had, we had good insurance. We had great help from Computers Unlimited from the church and stuff. But just to have somebody like that to come alongside and say, hey, we want to help. I mean, that's just awesome. And so know that there are people that want to help um and there are people with uh, uh big hearts uh, and they they walk alongside too um we're a ways from it but we're always happy to talk with people i know jill would be and myself uh it seems like a long time ago but you know it definitely don't feel afraid to reach out and you know ask questions if those you know, if somebody is listening and they say, hey, you know, who can we ask? Um, Sarah Blackburn is still at Billings Children's Clinic. And so I, if there are pediatric cancer families that are going through things, she is an outstanding resource. And she did provide us some of those basic ones. But my, my, my suggestion would be ask all the questions and don't be afraid to reach out. Um, it, it, it can be easy to feel like you're drowning if you don't ask for help and i I found this that as well the the until you have a diagnosis you're not aware of you know you enter into a new tribe and you have you have there's only one way to get that card but once you're in there it's amazing to see how how many people 
uh, and how many organizations are there to help. And so we've had just highlight after highlight and high moments of just the people we've met, the people that uh, in general, just at the Infusion Center, and then all these people that are helping in so many ways. It's been, you know, um, unbelievable how many people you see, you know, the goodness of, of, of people on this journey in ways that, you know, are indescribable. So it, it's kind of like when you buy a car that's new to you, you never realize until after you have that car, how many other of the same make and models around yes. like, and even the same color. But, but yeah, you, you, once you kind of have that door open up and you, yes. you see there are other people going through the same things like, Oh, yes. there yes. are other people going through this. And Absolutely. And you hear, hear it on TV yep. and you hear yep. it on the radio and, then and it all, all of a sudden you're like, has this always been going yeah, on? It's where... like you weren't aware of it because it wasn't yep. something that was personally affecting. Yeah. It's, it's, um, there's been, you know, for us, a lot of highs and lows, of course, but that really, to me, it's been a great gift to be able to, to be in the community of people in the cancer world and, and so we have uh, the things that you've mentioned. We've 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 experienced things like that as well, and it's yeah. it's a really beautiful thing. Um, well, what a honor to have you! Thank you for sitting down. Brittany is is beautiful, and she is talented and gifted and bright, and um, she you know she does, literally lights up a room when she comes in. And she's Cassidy told me that that was you know the way she was even during you know treatment and. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I noticed when I first met her. And so it's, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing to hear, uh, your story. So thank you for sharing yeah. your cancer journey with us. Uh, happy to do so. And I mean, I would attribute that to Angels and I had seen this even before, but even through treatment, um, we definitely, and maybe that helped us get through, just felt that God had his hand on her. And her spirit that he had blessed her with, no matter the outcome, it was, you know, she was someone that would lighten up the room and, and, and just was able to get through it with a grace that I don't know that, you know, if an adult went through it, the same thing, I, I don't know if they would have handled the same way. Um, and I would like to think that maybe that is kind of what also helped to know that, hey, you know, no matter the outcome you know, God is walking with us in that, you know, I would like to think that I would, my faith would be just as strong if she didn't make it through, you know, but, um, that's a, a question that, well, you mentioned it earlier. It's like no parent ever necessarily thinks about losing a child until you, you know, you reach that point. And so then you start to ask questions, but, um, I would like to think, Things would be the same, but I am so glad that uh, she is the beautiful, intelligent, healthy young woman that she is. Me too. I love that. Well, that's a perfect place to land this plane. So as a pilot, I will let you land it with that. <laughs> and um, thank you for coming. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. No.